We want to welcome you all into the final episode of 2022. It's episode 27. I'm Zach here on Georgia Talk with Jeff Christianberry and Josh. And, uh, sorry, not Josh. Cole Perez, how are you guys doing this morning? Good, hey. thanks. So we want to start off by talking about some uh, TA sports in the playoffs. Girls softball with a comeback win uh, at Gorm. That was on, I believe, Tuesday of this week. Uh, girls came back and won 9-4. to four. It was a great game. Uh, Jeff, I know you're at that game. Just tell us a little bit about how how that girls team ended up coming back and how great of a game that was. It's a low-scoring game to start. It's 2 nothing Gorham. Um, they get a leadoff home run um, at some point. Um, T.A. was struggling on offense, getting some runners on base, but not not really converting them into runs. And then just kind of broke it open as it got later. As it was, um, you know, they busted. I'm trying to remember the score now because it was three days ago now. Um, nine but four. Yeah, nine four was the final score. I'm trying to think how it went. They they kind of they broke it open uh, with a three with a two run triple at one point, like in the fourth inning maybe or fifth mm-hmm. inning, and then just kind of held on from there. And then um, it was five four, I believe, going into the seventh, and then they they got three extra runs or four extra runs there. So. Just a, a good hitting display, good good defense by both teams. Uh, you know, came into that pitching matchup, and and both pitchers struggled a little bit. Not much much walking. There was not many walks at all. Mm-hmm. It was just kind of hits back and forth. Um, and in the end, it, it just came down to one or two really big hits. The only home run of the game was by was by Gorham. Um, Ta had a couple ones close to the wall. Uh, there was a big play where. Gorham was um, about to tie it up. They hit a ball to the wall. One run scored, and TA was able to gun down the tying run at the plate, and that yep. really was a game changer because they Gorham. Then they got an insurance run and kept going back and forth. So, solid win for for softball. Um, now today they play Wyndham, which is going to be a huge, huge. I'm going to go to that one. It's going to be a big uh, uphill battle because Wyndham is is unbelievable. So, yep. um, so whatever happens today, you know, good, good. It's great to get that that first win of the season. Of the playoff season as a nine-eight matchup uh, on the road, never, never an easy thing. So, um, you know they've they've ended up having a pretty good season, no matter what happens tonight. Yeah, we uh, we have a boys lacrosse result as well. They won yesterday. Uh, we had a double header. We only were able to do uh, the girls game on TATV for a broadcast, but the boys team won twenty-three to four. From what I heard, that was just a blowout. It was I think it was twelve-one or fourteen-one at halftime. It wasn't a very close game. Obviously, those like two-seven matchups aren't really going to be much of a contest, but. Uh, good job by uh, the boys across team. We have, uh, I think we're going to have a game on Saturday. I'm not sure what time it is. Should be uh, the 3C, which I think is South Portland. I'm not sure if that, that game's been decided yet. But um, no, most of the games I think were yesterday. So, yeah. but I haven't seen the brackets updated just yet. That'll be a, a tough, uh, a tough matchup because South Portland was the only loss that TA had this year. Um, and then we also had girls across yesterday. TA won. Uh, excuse me, they did not win. They lost 15 to nine. It was a good game. Uh, by the girls lacrosse team, I did that game with uh, with Josh Pulsifer, and Tia was down, you know, eleven to two at halftime, and and scored some some run. That's uh, not runs. Thirteen to one point. Yeah, it was it was it was a good game. I mean, they they came back and they they um they definitely brought it close, but it was the same thing as that Falmouth game where Cape just held the ball at the end and wasted like four minutes off the clock, and that was just the end of it, and then scored an extra goal. So a good good ending to the season by girls lacrosse. They they had a good regular season, but. Um, they they fought hard. I think it's you know we're starting to see you know the the competition's getting a lot tougher here. So only the teams that are really going to be able to push through are going to um, be able to get there. And then we also have baseball who won twenty to zero over Biddeford. Uh, no surprise. I don't think they're in the round of sixteen. That was on I believe that was that was Tuesday as well. Tuesday, yeah. Um, they are going to play. I'm not sure they're playing the next round, but that game should be this week. Today, it's today. Um, I'm just looking it up real quick yeah. here actually. 
Um, you can also talk about boys tennis a little bit. They, yeah, Cole can give us a recap Cole, of yesterday. Give us a recap. A, a, you know, regional final against Kenny Bunk, which is always going to be tough and a really close match yesterday. Yeah, so it was three to two, which is really close. At first, it looked very dire for us. It did not look like we had a chance because um, they they have the best player in the state. So we know whoever plays him is probably going to lose that first singles matchup. So we needed to win three out of the next four matchups, and then. First doubles, lost the first set. Third singles, lost the first set. And both of those teams came back to win the second set. And only uh, third singles was able to win the third. Um, if first singles had been able to win in the third set, we probably would have won. But it's unfortunate. Um, if we had all our players, I feel confident that uh, we would have won. I think that's a legit you know, reason f- because um, our second singles, who moved up to first singles, beat Kenny Bunk's second singles. So I think... It, we we could have had a really good chance, but we'll get him next year because Kenny Lo- Bunk's losing a lot of players. But mm-hmm. I know Falmouth's going to be good. Portland's always pretty good, so it's a tough way to end the season, but still a gr- still a great year, undefeated regular season, and we have a, a good future too. Yeah, baseball's playing uh, Sanford today. Sanford, all right. eight seed. So yeah. again, and should be should be easy. Yeah, but yeah, as you said, Cole, it's always unfortunate to lose those players before a big matchup like that, but. Uh, Next year will be a good year. Are you going to go 12-0 again? Hopefully. Hopefully. All right. We'll talk about some uh, some professional sports here. Uh, we'll start with the Celtics and the Warriors. Game three last night. Go Celtics, right? Game three win. Uh, that was, I think, an overall great game. Uh, game three, I think they played well. Won by 16 points. They kind of held it really up until the third when uh, Warriors got a one-point lead, but then they took it right back. Uh, I want to get your guys' thoughts. Knowing that the Celtics now have a two-to-one lead, do you, are your series predictions changed? Um... Not yet, but it's close. I mean, I thought last night was pretty much a, a must-win for the Celtics because I didn't think that they could win three out of four. And I think Friday is a must-win for the Warriors. They go on three-one. This is this is a wrap. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying they'll lose in five, but um, you know, it's just showing that it just again doesn't really make a lot of sense. But the Celtics are going to have either halves or games every other game where they're just going to shoot unbelievably well. Like at some point they were 50 percent from three last night. They were yep. like eight of 16 or something when they had that big lead near halftime. And it's like there's not much you can do about that. You're going to have to respond. They did it in game one. Uh, and then they did it again last night. I know the stats didn't end up as great, um, but, I mean, it was a comfortable win. I mean, besides a little blip in the third quarter, which they always have, they just looked, you know, they looked like whenever – it's like they show up some days like, you know, we're not going to turn the ball over tonight and we're going to play well. And then and when they do that, they pretty much beat anybody in the floor. And yeah. then it, conversely, you know, look at the Warriors and some of their guys just didn't really show up last night. Draymond, obviously, the biggest one. Um, beyond all the talking, like his play in the series has been pretty abysmal in terms of if you look at the statistics. Yep. So – Friday night. I mean, look. If I would, if you asked me before yesterday, I think I said to a few people, I thought the Celtics are going to win last night, and the Warriors are going to win Friday night. And that, mm-hmm. for the Warriors to win the series, they have to win Friday night. You know, because I think they'll win Game Five regardless, but they won't be able to win three in a row against the Celtics yeah. team just because the Celtics team's too hot of a shooting. So when you look at the series, I still think the Warriors. Again, if you had to put money on it, I still think the Warriors win um, in in six or seven. Um, but. I mean, the Celtics are showing what they did all playoffs. They're not, you know, they won't lose two games in a row. Yep. They haven't all, all playoff season. Um, but I expect the Warriors, if they're really a championship team, still that they need to come back and win on the road on Friday night. No excuses. None. You know, last night the I think the press conferences were embarrassing. You know, Cliff yeah. Thompson's like they were swearing at us. Oh my God, they said the <laughs> f word. It's like okay, well everybody does that, okay. Yeah. And Draymond, of course, you know the whole that whole he got chance. He got the chance the whole first half, which is whatever. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, he knew it was going to happen, but like they, they they should be more mentally tough than than, than talking about the crowd at all because they yeah. just didn't shoot the ball well, and and some of their role players continue not to play that great. So 
I mean, solid result from the Celtics. They basically led the whole way. I know, you know, besides a little third quarter blip, it was not really in doubt between for almost the entire game, um, which I thought was going to happen. But Friday night, if you're a Warriors fan, <laughs> that needs to change because you can't go down 3-1. It's a must-win game every game in the NBA Finals. And I don't think you go into two games in Boston thinking, oh, we have to split these two games. You take it one game at a time. That's not what these teams in these locker rooms are thinking. Uh, but this series is so – every loss is just so – devastating and every win is the best feeling ever but that that was the worst defense I've seen from the Warriors all postseason long by far not even close every offensive rebound was going to the Celtics every 50-50 ball every loose ball it, it was just unfortunate we were absolutely terrible and they were getting to the basket with ease every single time it was unbelievable um, but the reason I have a little bit of confidence in this team is because if it were any other team it would have been a blowout I think probably 20 plus points I know it was 16 but we came back and took the lead momentarily but it was a close game in the third quarter and that just shows the greatness of Steph and Clay to keep this team in this game but that's where the positives end it was it was a terrible night and I I hope we win game four we just have to have better intensity on defense and that's really all you can say yeah I mean that that third quarter kind of like comeback thing was just like Steph Curry hit three threes in a row and yeah and the, but and then he had turnovers right I mean then, yeah. then he just you know that I mean that, that's a question I got for you guys like I, I was watching that game and Steph ended up what six for 11 I think from three which is still really good like it's not a, a bad staff but some of the threes he throws up sometimes where he just like runs into it and he just completely misses air balls like right off the backboard do you ever watch Steph Curry and think like you know he's not having a good shooting night or is it or is it does he always seem to pull it out I don't think I don't think I look at those and say like oh why did he shoot that I mean you, you got to take that with the, with the amazing shooting that he has I mean he's he's one of the few players in NBA history probably this is like just shoot it wherever you want whenever you yeah. want you know and you really can't complain mm -hmm. um, for the turnovers are a different story I mean he's a little bit careless of the ball at times and you saw yep. that last night um, which is why you know you hear when you hear these debates is he an all-time great it's like there are sometimes in these big games that he does shoot well but he may turn the ball over you know and I think this is a pretty interesting series for him in terms of his his legacy you know and so far it's been up and down for him if they go down if they lose this series in five or even six games and he doesn't have that great of a series it's going to say a lot no whatever no I think it really matter I think he's played incredible this series he's had I don't I don't think right. so like no he's he's been shooting insane last night I mean he's the only reason they were in the game he some of the shots he's making are incredible like last night I expected it to go in every time he shot the ball that's and Steph Curry, though. That's I mean, he's a yeah. great shooter. I mean, definitely all top five all-time shooter, but overall player, it's going to be... I, th I think it's the rest of the team that's a problem. Turning the ball over in transition, so mm -hmm. then the Celtics get an easy basket on the other end. Draymond's been terrible. Wiggins has been okay. Clay was terrible the last two games. And then even like the first quarter last night, Clay was chucking up bricks before he finally got it going. So I think it's the rest of the team, not, ne not necessarily Steph. Yeah. It is, but they're but you would yeah. say the great players somehow can overcome that in yeah. a series. You know and, what I mean? And like, you have to say, like, I think everyone expects him to go out there and at least hit five or six threes in a game. So what is he going to do on top of that to prove to defensively everybody that he, and yeah. everything else? But I mean, I, the one thing I will say is uh, looking at the Celtics, Marcus Smart had twenty four points, but he had some terrible turnovers, just throwing like the ball over his head to try to find a pass that went nowhere. Um, the Celtics got lucky last night because they still had over ten plus turnovers again, which is just not not helpful. But uh, looking back at Game 2, I know we haven't talked about this a lot. Cole, I want to get your thoughts about uh, the Draymond uh, deciding to be a football player kind of deal in that game. I, I know that they won that, and, and it was uh, a lot of Celtics fans were frustrated. But wh what do you have? What are your thoughts on, on Draymond in this series? He definitely needs to chill out, but I don't think that Game 2 was decided by the refs at all. It was close to a 30-point blowout when we took our starters out. 
And Draymond, you know, I he he definitely has to chill. And I think I'm beginning to get a little annoyed with his podcast right after the game. But I I still <laughs> I still love him. It's what you get with Draymond. It, you're you're gonna have to deal with it. He's never gonna change. But you know who really frustrates frustrates me though is Grant Williams. Last night Draymond was just standing there. He was barking something at the refs, and then Grant like runs into him and then puts his hands up like, "Oh, I didn't do anything." He Grant just tries to incite in, incite Draymond so much, and I think these games in Boston are gonna be rough for Draymond. But hopefully he can get it together. I wish he would just say nothing. Yeah, just say not nothing possible. at all. Well, I mean, the Celtics before this series are the ones who most people hate because they do all this antics. They do a lot of flopping. They do yeah. a lot of complaining to the referees. And Draymond's just kind of like the perfect guy to take that take that kind of villain role. I mean, I'm, when I listen to, I don't want to say the rant, but the talk that Draymond had after game two about the 80s and all that, which kind of hit. I mean, I, was, I didn't think he was that out, out to left field. I mean, I, I think he does exactly what he thinks he can get away with. And it's not really his fault that the referees are not going to – call it you know it's a physical game um it's not as physical as it as it used to be and that's not the fault of Draymond or Grant Williams or whoever else to see it's and it's not even the officials it's really the you know the management of the NBA is telling the officials to do one thing or the other so um you know it's just hard I mean if you're him if you're a fan of his it's like I love the fact that you can talk smack I love you can be physical but when you come mm-hmm. out and you score four points and you're oh seven from three for the series and you're not you know, obviously, you're the captain of the defense. And you're only one guy, but you're the captain. And it used to be back in the late 2000s when, when the Celtics would have a bad night, Garnett would always take the blame, even if he had you know a lot of blocks and steals and everything. But he was the captain of the defense. So yeah. when you have an effort last night, which was not good enough from anybody on the floor defensively for the Warriors, you got to take credit for that. And I think his press conference last night was decent. It was fine. Like he said, he played like, you know what? Um, yeah. But again... It's again, you, you when you when you have a guy that like that in your locker room and you embrace his personality and take all the positives with it, both on and off the floor, then you gotta accept the negatives too. And and for his sake, I hope he plays a little bit better on Friday, yeah. uh, or at least in the series. I mean, if they if they again if they go out in five or six and he ends up having you know four points a game, then it's gonna be yeah. hard for him to 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 say anything. So I thought game two was you know I think the Celtics fans were just upset because the team decided to turn the ball over twenty five times. And they didn't play well, so they wanted to find someone else. I will say, again, I think it's 13-0 now. The Celtics are when Scott Foster refs this year. 13-0. No, I think that was actually a fake stat. Was I, it? Yeah. I was wondering because I was like, how are the, what are the chances I was that, about, that Chris because, Paul's 0-15 no, and the Celtics because are Because I was about to jump on that, and I definitely would have brought it up. But then Got I it. learned it was fake. I think they're like 5-3. and three. But one more ah. thing about Draymond is whatever you think about him, and most people don't like him, it's honestly impressive to see how much he's mastered the art of like towing the line. Like he'll get, yeah. that, he'll get that one tech, and then he'll do – everything it, he'll do just enough to avoid an ejection and it's honestly impressive how he knows he knows that fine line i know i gotta say one more thing about draymond i don't know if you if you guys watched the start of that game he had a wide open three in the first quarter and his jump shot is so one of the ugliest things I've ever it seen. is it is awful but i remember even... in game seven in 2016 he was our leading scorer yeah he had i was like he had over 30 points <laughs> six years yeah. ago yeah <laughs> but that was that that is the ugliest jump shot i've ever seen that's yeah, that's worse than like he looks wor- like he has back problems yeah shooting. worse than like joakim noah like it, yeah there's a that, few guys that was, shot some weird three-pointers um but I want one more question about the Celtics and the Warriors. Um, if the Celtics want to win this series, tell me one thing they need to do to you know keep pushing forward. If the Warriors need to win, what needs to happen for the Warriors? 
I will say I'll do one for each. I mean, the Warriors definitely comes down to defensive intensity. I mean, they're going to have nights where they're going to shoot well and score some points. They need to play. They need to play four quarters of defense. You can't take a yeah. quarter off. The Celtics took a quarter off, you know, on game two, and then watch. Look what happened with the Warriors. They scored a ton of points. So if you're the Celtics, I mean, I just you just got to assume that there's ro- that one of the role players or two of the role players are going to come uh, step up. Again, it just comes down to turnovers. If they have mm-hmm. fewer than twenty turnovers, then they're probably going to win the game. And um, I don't know. The more I watch these teams, it's like if they both play their best, I don't know who wins. I would like to see one game like going overtime, like one. one I want a clo- I want close games. I want, my God, yeah, like yeah. sixteen. I mean, I don't want to see these blowouts again. Like last night, it was like again. The first half was like, all right, here we go. I'll see you on Friday. It's like on one hand you want to be close, but the other hand you're like, yeah, I like the Celtics to win this game by like twenty. True, points. but you want one good game. I mean, yeah. the best game of the, of the postseason for the Celtics was first game of the first series. You know, oh, against Brooklyn. Right. Yeah. You know, they got a buzzer beater. I'm not saying they need a buzzer beater, but I mean, it's been very few games where it's been in the, in the you know last two minutes of the game has been intense. For the whole playoffs, let alone just the Celtics. But for the yeah. Celtics, I think you need to keep Rob Williams healthy, and they'll they'll probably be fine because Rob Williams has been great, and simply just keeping him on the floor and playing in big minutes. And for the Warriors, I want to see them experiment. You know, like the second quarter and the first half hasn't really been their best their best time. So I want to see them experiment with some new players. Maybe get Kaminga in there, somebody more athletic. And Moses Moody is another rookie who played really well against the Mavs, and he's barely gotten any meaningful minutes in the Mm -hmm. finals. So I just want to see them experiment with something. And then obviously turnovers for both teams and the defense and the rebounding for the Warriors because they got absolutely bodied last night. Yeah. I was. I just want to ask you one more question, Cole. I was debating this with my dad yesterday. My dad was asking, he goes, who's that number zero for uh, the Warriors? That's Gary Payton the, the second. Yep. And um, uh, he didn't have a very good defensive game. What are your thoughts on Gary Payton? Do you think that he like should deserves to play more minutes than guys like Moody and Kaminga? Yeah, I think he's a good, unselfish player. And he, he's a good defender. Um, but... He, that knee is still bothering him. He had a pretty fairly serious injury against, I think it was Memphis in one of the first games. Yeah, he's good. I don't think he should get a ton of minutes. I, I, I'm skeptical of him starting, but he's a solid bench player who can contribute on defense. And Iguodala deserves no minutes in this series. <laughs> yeah. He is terrible. Why he's is, he's why, just old. How old is he? He's got, I mean, he's hurt, too. I mean, Is he full, yeah. 40 now? He's like 38. Yeah, yeah he's, he's getting there. All right, we have some Bruins talk to, uh, yes, to have I'm here. really excited about this. Yeah, so I'll start it off, and then I'll let you guys go into this. So obviously, uh, Bruce Cassidy's fired six seasons uh, with the team. All six, he won in the playoffs. Um, I say a part of it has to be uh, the president, Cam Neely, and the general manager, Don Sweeney, trying to save their jobs. I mean, they know that they're starting to get to the end there. I think a part of it also has to be that some of the players were a little – frustrated with how he was coaching the team i know jake debrusque had issues with him that's why you want to trade um but you know it sucks to have a guy like that leave um he was a great coach i will say though no matter who comes steps into this role i know i have to trust that cam neely and don sweeney have somebody ready they, they didn't fire a coach like that without having somebody and they said that are con- they are confident in to have take that role um but this team is just has a lot of bad karma right now. All those injuries that, you know, Marshan's not going to be ready for the start of the season. McAvoy's not going to be ready for the start of the season. Grizzlick's not. Bergeron might not be ready. Is Bergeron going to come back? And then the coaching and then all the issues. Pashnok is is dealing with some uh, some re-signing things. He might not re-sign with us. So uh, there's a lot of things going on with the Bruins right now. But um, I think people are over overreacting about this Cassidy thing. I don't think Cassidy has been the greatest coach of all time. I don't think he's been you know somebody that the Bruins needed to have to win games um 
but it's it definitely it, it sucks to have him there and it, and it it's it's hard to know that your president and your general manager are like trying to just trying to save their jobs to keep this one going but you know i got i got to you know i got to be positive i hope that they find somebody good i know jay leach is somebody um i swear to god if they hire david quinn he's had the worst nhl coaching career ever but um you know we're just waiting in the off season for this for this the playoffs to be over so we can get into the off season so on the coach part of it, from what I've heard, and I, I'm only hearing secondhand through other radio media mm-hmm. sources, it sounds like what they may want, and again, this is like a lot like the NBA, they want more of a player's coach. Yep. Cassidy was much like, um, who's the guy before that? The guy I had before. Claude coach. Julian. Claude Julian, kind of an old school, my way or the highway. If you don't do this right, you're not getting ice time. Yep. And that, you know, it's, that falls on deaf ears after a while. So, I mean... To- Again, for me, it's it's is it totally surprising to get fired? No, I mean, definitely has a lot of Neely and Sweeney on the, on the hands. I mean, because mm-hmm. again, these those two guys have not really done anything, you know, that that is worthy of praise in terms of building a team. Like the teams that you know won the Stanley Cup and have gone to the Stanley Cups were not really under their tutelage too much mm-hmm. or under their building. So, for me, this coach is more secondary, and I think we talked a little bit about it, like. The Bruins in the next three or five five years, I think, are in big trouble. Okay, so you have two real paths. You have I think it's the opposite. Stay the, stay the okay. Well, uh, let me okay, hear. It. Okay. So you either have the stay the course, which is hope Bergeron comes back somehow, fit him under the cap, and basically run it back from this year because you have no cap room if Bergeron comes back mm-hmm. to try to get any better. So you're just hoping that Swimman gets better, that all your top five guys, or most of them are just a year older, stay as great as they are, and then all of these secondary players all become better to compete with the Lightning and Colorado and, and, and Edmonton and everybody else. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's that's a little – that's if Bergeron comes back. Another one is Bergeron doesn't come back. Okay, then you have Pasternak out there who's probably going to want like an eight-year, $88 million contract you know, after next year. Is the Bruins going to be able to pay him that and then keep everybody else? Don't know. Do you just blow it up? Okay, you, do you trade – you take Pasternak, you trade him for a King's Ransom, get a couple first-round picks. I mean, I, again, you can't ignore the fact of who the ownership is. The ownership doesn't want to rebuild – but they also don't usually care as much to spend so much money. Um, you know, they, they want the Jacobs family wants a playoff series at home because they make a ton of money from yep. it. Okay, it, it's been like that for decades. Yes, they've had a lot of great playoff runs. They've never been the team that's been spending the most or, or really extending themselves. So their Stanley Cup runs have really come on the backs of solid recruiting and also good coaching as well. So are they going to be the ones who are going to want to rebuild? Or are they going to want to run it back as well? And is that mm-hmm. is that best for the franchise to run this team back? And then a year goes by, Pasternak decides to leave because they want to resign. Bergeron retires, and then you're stuck with a 37 year old Marchand and Charlie McAvoy, and then not much else. So I don't know. I don't. I don't. I, I'd like to hear how you know a non rebuild because you're saying you don't want to rebuild. Mm-hmm. How is this team? going to step up and become a Stanley Cup champion, not just like, well, I want to get to second round or maybe the third round. I mean, 2018 is four years ago now. Okay, that, that's in the that's in the long pass of them almost beating the Blues. Everybody's three or four years older. How got, we got robbed of that one, though. It doesn't matter. They, they, they we're talking four years ago. It's like right. saying, oh, Tom Brady, you know, if he was still with the Patriots, then. So how, how is this team going to take that next step? Because you're watching the Rangers and the Lightning and, and all these teams that mm-hmm. are in the Stanley Cup Finals. Yep. It's not just about having Connor McDavid. It's about having two or three really good lines. And the, and the Bruins, again, when you compare it to those teams who went to the Stanley Cup, those guys on the third and fourth lines were great players, and they just don't have that right now. So how are they going to stay the course, not sign anybody, not really draft anybody, and win a Stanley Cup in the next two to three years? All right, so it, there's, a, there's a big difference between a rebuild and what they call retooling, which is just moving players in and out to keep what they have. It has to be around a franchise of a player, and that is Pasternak. So if they don't have that, they have to rebuild. So that really depends on whether or not he wants to sign an extension. Um, their defense is great. They signed, They have Lindholm, McAvoy that got signed for a while, Carlo as well. They have a lot. They have a good defense. They've got a good 
uh, goalie setup here with with Olmark and Swayman. I don't think Swayman's one of those guys who's going to want like a eight million dollar contract. He's one of those guys who just wants to play hockey. Will take a, a decent decent sized contract. I think that if we lose Bergeron, we obviously have to find a, a a number one center like that. That can't that has to happen. But I we have some guys in the WHL and the AHL, Fabian Lysel. We've got you know we've got some players down there. I don't think that the Bruins are going to need to rebuild just yet because they have so many younger players like Pashnok. Martian still got years in him. Like you have to remember, Martian's only like 31, 32, and he's still playing at a high level. Um, it, but it does come down to Bergeron. It comes down to whether or not he wants to come back. If he retires, Martian is thirty-four. By the way, is he thirty-four? You just looked 34. that up. All right. Well, he's playing like he's thirty-one. How about that? <laughs> um, but I don't know. It, it's it's hard because as a fan, I just wanted them to keep this going. Like a couple years ago, I never would have thought about you know Bergeron's going to be gone and we've got all these injuries walk, going into the season. Um, well, that's, know, the, that's the case. I mean, that, that's one of those things. Do you want to be a team that contends every year? Contends, but never really. You know, they're gonna have to get really lucky to go to a Stanley Cup champion mm-hmm. final, even. Or do you want to rebuild and maybe in three years win a Stanley Cup? You know, it's it's not just a Bruins problem. It's I mean, all over sports you have teams like that that are just kind of like and the Celtics have been that for the last three or four years. Like, okay, they're yeah. good, but they're really you know. Um, now they're able to you know they they were kind of re- relied on these two big guys to become superstar players. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's I don't know it, it's what well, you're, you're, you're if you're if you're Putting your money on the younger guys that are in the, like the minor leagues to come better—that's good. But I mean, what are the chances a rookie's going to come yeah. in and make a huge yeah. difference in score? I mean, I mean, just look at someone like Taylor Hall. I mean, he's his contract now is an albatross. Like you would love to get rid of him tomorrow. Someone mm-hmm. would take him because that was another scenario I've heard. If you want to retool, keep Pasternak, you can trade Marshan and Taylor Hall, find someone twelve million, and you can get back three or four decent players. Yeah, would that be better than the common? I know Marshan's a great player, but Marshan plus Hall versus four players. Who can get you maybe more goals, and then you mm-hmm. knock one of those kind of third and fourth line guys down. Center is their biggest problem right now. They need some centers. I mean, yeah. they, they they're or, far, and I don't think Krejci's coming back. Like I don't no, see that happening. I, I mean, plus it wouldn't matter because he'd have to clear waivers, and there'd be some team out there. It's yeah. like you know, what, let's just screw with the Bruins and just pick him up. But you know, you, you talk about the Rangers. I mean, they had a successful retooling. Like they basically got rid of like their bottom three lines but they kept Chris Cryer they kept Mike Mika Zibanejad and they stuck with that and look at them now I mean they're they're pushing the lightning into the into what might be a cup final so um you know we have to wait it, nothing will happen until the playoffs are over I'm hoping that they get a coach signed quickly I'm hoping they figure out Bergeron quickly and I'm hoping they sign Pasternak to at least a three-year extension. But would he do that? Would Pasternak do that? Or would he wait for that monster once-in-a-lifetime deal in a year? Well, I, I don't know because there there's talks that he is not happy with, you know, getting rid of Cassidy. And I know some of those articles that are posted are for clicks. You know, people wanted to say, oh, he's not happy, but just to, to get them to click on that article. But And um, Krug, too. I heard that, too, on the radio. Yeah, that, Krug that and Krejci. Not, what, that he's was not happy some, with Neely. Like, yeah. He's not happy Sweeney. He's not happy that these guys have mm-hmm. just been able to walk between Krejci and, and Krug. So... Who knows? Um, it's it's all speculation. Um, they got to figure out Bergeron. I mean, I heard that they, he might not know until November, December, like whether he's going to come which back. Which is or not, not, which is not helpful. To you us. can't do it. No, yeah. you can't have that. Especially the guy that kind of cap it. You got to. Yeah, there's 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 lots of lots of question marks. Hopefully, we get those question marks figured out. I think we've had so much bad karma in the last like month. It's going to turn into good karma. So we're gonna, <laughs> yeah, everyone's going to come. Every back. Every optimist over everyone's here. Everyone's going to come back, and then and then all the injuries are just going to happen to be all ready for the beginning of the season. We're just going to have the best year ever. Well, the beginning of the season doesn't matter anyway. Yep. Just get in the playoffs. A couple more topics here. Uh, we'll talk about the Red Sox real quick. I know that we were uh, 
crapping on their their beginning of the season when they were like you know, seven and twenty or some crazy number. They were like twelve and twenty. They were a little yeah, terrible. they were terrible. And now they are a wild card team, or they were at least a few days ago. Um, I I don't follow the Red Sox a lot. I watch a game here and there, but I don't know if you guys have have done any research, but. Uh, what is what's up with this team? What's up with the AL East? I know that it's basically one of the best divisions in baseball right now. Um, and I mean, do you think the Red Sox are going to be able to hold this wild card spot? Yeah, I do. I mean, they they've won seven in a row because they're mm-hmm. beating up on bad teams. Angels have lost. They're playing the Angels right now, and the Angels have lost fourteen in a row. Wow. The Angels fourteen. They were twenty seven and seventeen, and now they're twenty seven and thirty one, and that's who the the Red Sox are playing right now. Yep. I don't know. It's tough to explain. It's just like the the Sox are down. You know, again they were like twelve and twenty something yep. like that, and now they're you know thirty and twenty seven. They've gone on this ridiculous run. Um, do I think they're a World Series team? No, but I also didn't think the twenty thirteen team was a World Series team. Yep. But the twenty eighteen even, they just find a way every couple of years to find lightning in a bottle. I don't know if it's Alex Cora. I don't know what it is. I mean, do I think they're going to go in the division? No, they're still got three teams ahead of them in the AL East. So mm-hmm. I don't think they're. Mm-hmm. And again, I don't think they're a World Series champion team, but. I mean, I think they're going to stick in the wild card. They have enough offense, especially. Their pitching is decent. I'm not banking on Chris Sale doing anything this year. Um, but if he does, it's all a bonus. So, um, I mean, a great turnaround. But, I mean, it's baseball season. They're still only two and a half months into the season, not even half, close to halfway done. So, I mean, good on them. They're, they're beating up on some of the, the bad teams. What will happen when they play, you know, the Rays and the Yankees? We'll have to see. The Yankees are playing very well. This The whole AL East is playing very well. Um but just it's just crazy to me that the the Angels who are in first place in that division now, fourteen losses in a row, and every year they disappoint. And that's a bigger, different conversation about Mike Trout and does he, does he regretting it all and getting that massive deal, you know, fifty million a year, mm-hmm. whatever he made, you know, comfortable. But that team is just never contending, and it's going to be interesting if he ends up being, you know, setting all kinds of records. But he plays for a team who never really gets yeah. a chance for it. But but the Sox just keep trucking, keep hitting. I saw I saw this funny thing that uh, all of the Angels players and this might have been a couple of days ago where all their walk up song for every player is gonna be Nickelback. I don't know why they just they're trying to break the bad streak, just trying to change something. Well, up. It didn't work again. Yeah, yeah, they lost one nothing. The Angels, the Red Sox last night. Yeah. I I'm not a baseball expert, so I like to think of things in basketball or football terms. This is like having. Giannis and KD on the same team and being under 500 for yep. the Angels, but the Red Sox. They I mean, Lakers this year. <laughs> yeah, they play. They play in the best division in baseball. And I'm looking here at the standings. The only other teams in the American League that are over 500 are in first place in their division. Every other team is 500 or below. And um, but it's going to be tough with those three juggernauts ahead of them: the Yankees, the Blue Jays, and the Rays, who all have just great lineups but it's been the starting pitching for the Red Sox and the, the complete games that they've had mm-hmm. guys going guys going the distance all nine innings and uh the hitting has been great too they've won in different kind of ways they've scored in the double digits and then they only win one to nothing last night but I love Alex Cora and I think it's he deserves the most amount of credit for their success and um like you said the 2013 team even the 2018 team they weren't considered a World Series team, then they go on these big runs. But, again, it's only June, and it, baseball is really about playing your best in October more than yeah. pretty much any other sport. So we'll see what happens, but this team is definitely very exciting to watch. In the last eight games, talking about the pitching, they've only allowed more than two runs once, and yeah. they won that game when mm-hmm. they, they won 6-5. But they've won two games in the series, one to nothing against mm-hmm. the Angels. They've won more tonight. So um, can they keep it up? Who knows? But certainly when stuff like this happens, the Red Sox ownership just loves it because that means they can prove their model and, and not play some, you know, who knows? They, they have a lot. They, that team, again, has a lot of question marks going forward about 
Bogarts and Devers to see yeah. in terms of what kind of deal they're going to get. And the more they win like this, the more they can be like, we don't really need both of them, right? Because we just pin a lot yeah. on Trevor Story. So I don't know if you're a Red Sox fan. It's one of those things like, do you want them to do – you know, what do you want them to do this year? You want them to win the World Series. If they win the World Series, who cares? But if they yeah. do this thing where they contend and make the playoffs, maybe like last year, where a team wasn't that talented, made a deep run, then it kind of confirms what the Red Sox are doing, may not be good for the long term. Yeah. If you just lose another, you know, they lost bets and now they may lose Bogarts, who I can't believe set the record for the most games of shortstop in Red Sox history recently. I know. If I had to pick between the two of them, I would pick Devers. His numbers this year are absolutely yeah. insane. He's just, he's such a good hitter. I think that that's no, that's no like, like knock on uh Bogart's game because he's a great player too but I just think Devers is he's that like that franchise player yeah. that they need to keep for a while and hopefully he resigns I don't know are there any issues with him and the management does he not want to resign no, it's really about Bogart's yeah. and if they want to sign him again uh, okay. it's really both those guys it's like do they want you know do, will the Red Sox pay the money it's not like a bets thing where they want to go somewhere else from what I've heard it's yep. more just about will they match the money mm-hmm. whereas bets just seem like I want to go to LA which I don't blame him for that money and yeah all right, last topic before we get to uh, pick the winners. So the Avalanche sweep the Oilers, uh, Dwight Seidel and McDavid uh, fail again. And I know we've seen this a couple of times. So, like, we've seen Austin Matthews, Mitchell Marner, this fantastic Leafs team who hasn't seemed to get out of the first round in the last, like, 15 years. <laughs> and and the same thing with Dwight Seidel and McDavid. They've had their playoff troubles. So if you were a general manager, a coach of a team, and you have all these great guys where they just cannot win over and over and over and over again, would you consider trading somebody like a Dreitzidel or like a Mitchell Marner, who's so good, to get back assets to try to change something up? Or you just kind of do keep trying over and over again to see if you can get there? Well, first of all, I have no idea who two of those guys are. So. <laughs> who? who? Dreitzidel and what was the last guy you mentioned? Uh, Mitchell Marner? Yeah, never heard all of right. him. So, McDavid, yeah. But I, I, I uh, okay, let, let's, put it, let's put it in well, basketball look, it's, terms. It's, well, no, no. See, it's different, though. I was about to say because... It's a different sport. If you're in basketball, then what you do is you do what the Celtics did, and you just have to find the role players. You get the mm-hmm. right mixture of a Marcus Smart, of a Grant Williams, these guys, of uh, Derek White, that kind of thing. It's a lot harder in hockey because the Bruins are in the same spot. You have Again, you have four guys, four or five guys at the top of their roster where you're like, anybody would take those guys in a heartbeat. You can win a, a Stanley Cup with them. It's that secondary, but the problem is with hockey, you know, it's when it comes down to the playoffs, you need three really, really good lines. Yep. And if you can't score on all three of those lines, then you're in trouble. Because what we saw with McDavid obviously had a ridiculous playoffs, you know, scoring what twelve goals or something like that, thirteen yeah. goals. He had thirty three points and yeah, what it's was just like insane. Games, it, but yeah. it's like you need more than that, you know. And, mm-hmm. and especially in the way that the playoffs went this year, and these games are finishing eight six and seven four. Like you need guys who can score on all three of your again four lines, but they're only playing mostly three lines in some of your defensemen as well. So. Look, if I'm a hockey team and I'm I'm like the Oilers, I, I you just gotta try to work it out. I don't know what the Tyler Crab situation is. You gotta try to find a way to mm-hmm. especially because both those guys are young, right? Right right side of Hulk. I mean, um I think he's a little bit older, but I mean he's not thirty five or no, forty. No, so these guys still, these guys are under thirty. You can't get rid of one of those those elite guys. I mean they just look, they just went to this to the to the Western Conference finals and, and the Avalanche are kind of a juggernaut. So I wouldn't yeah. say this compares to like the Leafs this year, where again they just cannot get out of the first I, round. I don't know no what it what is. They do. Well, that that's what I'm like. That's what I'm talking about. Like, how many more years are they just going to keep these guys with huge contracts before they say, well, you know, we got you can't get rid of Austin Matthews. Maybe like a William Nylander, Mitchell Marner. These guys are great players. You just go, well, we're throwing them somewhere else. We're taking all these younger guys. And we're trying again. It's risky though. I mean, you do like the Bruins did trade for Taylor Hall, and doesn't always work out. We worked out for a month or two, but uh, he, he's he's pretty good. He's pretty good. He didn't have a good playoff series. 
Um, again, they moved Pashnak back up to that first line. So Hall is made better by when he's next to a guy like Pashnak. Or even like when Krejci was here, he's playing mm-hmm. really well. But he didn't look look as great. Um, what do you th- so give your since this is our final episode, what's your prediction for the Stanley Cup? First of all, the Eastern Conference Finals and the Stanley Cup. All right, so Rangers win this series in seven, and it's a shocker. Like well, it's t- 2-2 right now? 2-2. Two, two. Yeah. But they want, Rangers won the first two, just lost two yeah. to Tampa. Um, I think the Rangers, yeah, everyone's like, everyone, I think, wants the Rangers to win because nobody wants Colorado to win. Like, I, I like Colorado, yeah. but I, I want the Rangers to win. That'd be cool. But then the Colorado sweeps the the Stanley okay. Cup final just because I, I feel like they're more prepared even without like Nazem Kadri and uh, they're missing a defenseman right now but uh, I think the Avalanche finally win it and then they, they did the same thing Florida did they they got a bunch of guys at the trade deadline They their cap is like crazy it, thin, it, yeah. it's like probably like five dollars like they don't have yeah. they don't have any space right now all right, we'll finish up this episode uh, with some pick the winners. So, uh, I think I won last night, didn't I? I think you did. Well, we'll, we'll talk about that. So, we decided to uh, just to, to make it even because I won the regular season with barely. Uh, by the way, I came in a nice yeah, comeback. Tw- I was twenty six and fifteen. Jeff, you were twenty four and eighteen. Cole was eighteen and twenty two. But that was you did not pick bad. it up. You picked it not up. Yeah, from, from like week two, you were like one and nine. So <laughs> yep. yeah, right. not bad. Uh, but we decided we were going to pick the the score of the. Game three of the Warriors Celtics, and that would just decide the winner. And yes, Jeff, you won. Your score pick was 111 to 102. You were the closest. Uh, so you win. Pick the winners. I'm not sure what your prize will be. We'll figure that out. But uh, good. We'll good, figure something out. Yeah, good win for you. Uh, but that is going to do it for the final episode of 2022. It's obviously sad, but uh, we're glad to have done a lot of episodes this year. We're, we're thankful for all the people who listen and and, uh, and watch this, and we're definitely going to have this back next year. Uh, our, my hope is that we can get to – I said this out last night on the live stream. We get to 50 episodes before I graduate. That's my goal. We can do that. Yeah, I think we can do that. All right. Well, do you guys have any more – any thoughts? Nope. Go Celtics. Yeah, go no, Celtics. Warriors in six. Six. So, so what, is there anything – as we wrap up, those are anything that – any big predictions in the sports world between now and let's say we do our first episode in the first mm. week of September, like besides the NBA Finals? That's always. Is there anything else that's going to happen over the summer in football? Or I mean, there's no sports are going to be decided besides hockey and basketball. Yeah, that's the thing. Summer's kind of boring. It's just here's baseball. what I'm, I'll, I'll give a prediction, kind of outside the box. I think live golf is going to take off. I oh think, yeah. Did you hear about this with Bryson DeChambeau uh, yeah, and then yeah, somebody else? Yes, I am. I am a. Pretty, I'm, I'm not against What is live that? Golf. What is okay? So it, very basically. Live Golf is going to challenge you a PGA Tour. So yep. Live Golf, and let's take out the fact that it's funded by you know the Saudis, which whatever is a whole issue. Basically, it's going to be it's guaranteed money for the PGA players. So right now, the PGA Tour, you get no guaranteed money. You miss the it's cut. Just the tournament, prize money if you win. Oh, so I Live see. Golf is okay. basically saying we're going to the, the last place person to Live Golf is going to make a hundred thousand dollars in the yeah. tournament. Wow, there's only, there's only forty-eight players in the in each tournament for Live Golf, whereas in the PGA sometimes it would be up to 100. Mm-hmm. And there's only 54 holes. There's only three days of, yep. of golf. And no cuts. No cuts either. So everyone, and there's a team component as well where each week you're on a certain team um, and, depending and, on how you and that do. you get some points there towards the end of the year. That's there's crazy. some things that are kind of throwing stuff against the wall. I don't know if the team component is going to all work. I, I understand. But I mean, the fact that I know a lot of people in the golf world, and I've, I've, I've followed this quite a, quite closely, and uh, some of my friends, and the more that they chat, the more that they kind of chat about live and how stupid it is, the more I think that they're a little bit worried because yeah. these are not, you know, the the, the dire golf fan is going to watch every week. Okay, mm-hmm. the casual golf fan, I consider myself a casual golf fan. Yep. If I'm tuning in on a Saturday afternoon with nothing else to do, and it's not a major, majors throw those out because we're going to watch those anyway. Yeah. If I'm looking at the leaderboard and I see Phil Mickelson, Sergio Garcia, Bryson DeChambeau, DJ John, I'm, more, I'm much more likely to watch than if I see Kevin Kisner, yeah. you know, Charles Schwartz, so like these other yeah. guys were like, oh, yeah. I don't really know that guy. Like I'm not going to sit there and watch mm-hmm. for two or three hours and take a nap. When, you know, yeah. these are pretty big names. You know, and the PGA Tour is, is basically, if they start banning these guys, 
You know, and this other, and the only thing that live right now doesn't have is they don't have a great TV deal. They're doing a lot of streaming. If uh-huh. they get a TV deal, they could definitely challenge a PGA. And, and look, I'm not saying the PGA Tour is ever going to go away, yep. but this is not the NFL versus USFL or XFL. I mean, this is a legit yep. operation. They have a ton of money behind it. They're doing mm-hmm. only eight tournaments this year, so every tournament's going to be big. Mm-hmm. They're trying to make an event. I think they're trying to do like more like an F1 thing. They're trying to go all around the world because they're in London. They're yep. in, there's one in Thailand. Um, there'll be one in Saudi Arabia and mm-hmm. many in the U.S. So I'm interested to see. I mean, maybe the PGA Tour will take a look at it and make some changes for the positive. I mean, I like the PGA Tour, but you anybody who's crapping on these players for taking the money from the Saudis, like, give me a break. I mean, you, Justin yeah. Johnson's getting $120 bucks guaranteed. That's, yeah. that's generational wealth. I mean, the best player in golf last year is John Rahm made $7 million. Now, not endorsements, but, like, in prize money. And the, in, in the last place player will make, like, 2 or $3 million in live golf this year. Yeah. So. Not saying that that's sustainable, mm-hmm. but you can't ignore it. And the fact that all the PGA people are really nervous about it makes you know that they, they're a little bit nervous that some of their audience will go away with more of these stars start going. And I don't think the PGA Tour runs these majors. So they I don't. think nope. Phil and DJ and all these guys are going to be able to play in the majors too. But if you're not following golf, this is the time. There's actually drama in golf now, and <laughs> it's almost like free agent golf, but yeah. it's awesome. And I can't wait to see how, how this all shapes out and if Phil you know ever plays like – in the PGA Tour again. Sounds like he's still going to play the majors. The Masters, though. So, well, last thing here, because then we've got to wrap up. The Masters is totally invitational tournament. It's nothing to do with PGA. They can invite anybody they want. There are five Masters, previous Masters champions now in Live Golf. If Masters, who have kind of indicated they're going to not let anybody play in their tournament that is Live Golf, if they ban five former champions, that's going to make waves. It may actually sway some people to be like, what what is golf? Why is golf being so possessive? Because it really has nothing to do with the Saudis, to be Mm -hmm. honest. I mean, this helps all the golfers because both the PGA and and Live are both going to be like, well, we're going to try to make us make our programs, whatever, our organization, better for you. So yeah. all these golfers out here are probably just sitting there smiling. Yeah, that's my prediction. Live Golf will be not nothing. I think LeBron, something happens to LeBron James this summer. That's my prediction. Let's go to Golden State, I heard. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, no. Well, that's going to do it for episode 27, the last of 2022. We will see you all next year. Thank you all for watching, and uh, have a great uh, summer. Go Trojans. Yep. Yep.